0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay. Thank you, Ben. Okay, we're just going to listen to something very quickly and see if you can work out what... I'll ask at the end what the words are in this, so... Have a quick listen and see if you can work out what this is. No. no, so that was, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me. So that, was, that is a, an anthem, it's a psalm that is sung at the coronation. So it's been sung at the coronation services for the kings and queens of England since 1625, since Charles I. And uh, if you saw uh, the royal wedding, uh, Kate Middleton and Prince William's wedding, It was what the music was played as she walked up the aisle as well. And um, it comes from Psalm 122. And so that's what we're going to look at today. It's a great piece of music. And somehow or other, I will continue with my (laughs) relentless effort to get culture somehow built into this church. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry, there's no PowerPoint today, um, but uh, we're reading from Psalm 122. 122. 122, and I'm reading from the ESV version of the Bible. Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is firmly bound together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set and the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers' and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And uh, this morning, just we've got a few minutes before we'll stop a little bit earlier so we can take communion together. Uh, Just at the start of this new year, felt really to talk about the church and to pull out three things from that psalm that I think... um, David writes about, really, encouragement. So to encourage us to encourage one another, to honour his church, to honour the church, and to invest in his gathered people, to invest in the church. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the house of the Lord. We do thank you for your gathered people. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the richness of worship when we come together. Lord, we are so grateful. Lord, we realize uh, what a blessing it is to come together. And uh, we don't ever want, Lord, to lose the preciousness of that or to downplay it or to disregard it uh, because there is a preciousness in coming together. And as we are together now, as your people and as a family, We ask that you would speak to us through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And it is good to be together, isn't it? I don't know if you felt that this morning. It just feels good to be together. It is good to be family together. Uh, It is good to be his children. It is good to start another year with him. It is. And... uh, I was reminded, just as we were worshipping this morning, of two, I suppose in our day, we would call them sort of spiritual giants. Well, I would. So one, one would be a guy called John Stott, um, who was really influential in the restoration of the church and charismatic movement and just died a few years ago. And then Terry Virgo, who most of us would know of and would consider another spiritual giant. And both of those guys, when they were interviewed, and they were asked about what, what, they, what, what, what really blesses them these days. And both of them said, oh, increasingly, it's corporate worship. That's what we're finding. It's, it's actually, that's the thing that's becoming most precious to us. It's corporate worship. It, it lifts yeah. us, doesn't it? I don't know about you this morning. I don't know how you came in this morning. But just if you came in feeling like that, just about to jump into the cold water of the new year. I mean, quite powerful imagery, really, that Alicia brought. And then... Pauline's prayer as well around stuff that already you're beginning to think about as the New Year dawns and the practicalities and going back to work and, and what next Christmas will look like and, and, and what will happen in this coming year and all of those sorts of things that can predominate in our minds as we head into a new year and, and then we come together and suddenly it changes. I don't know if that happened for you. It happened for me this morning. I walked in and we started to worship and ah oh, suddenly... My perspective changes. There is a preciousness about the church. And um, I love the way that David, in that psalm at the start, he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said that to me. And so the first thing I want to, to, to talk really about is about encouragement and about the importance of encouraging one another. There is a bit of a danger, you know, because because we've moved away from being legalistic about saying, well, you should be there on a Sunday and you should be there at midweek church prayer meeting and where were you and why weren't you there? And, and it can all feel a bit legalistic and, we've, and we've, we're free from that now. We know that. The danger is, though, that we then feel like we shouldn't be encouraging each other. Are you going to be there? Are you coming? I'll, I'll, shall we get together? There is a preciousness that you don't get on your own that you get when you are together. And David is grateful that there were people around him. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Do you know what? I need you to do that for me. And we need to do that for one another. Because we don't know what sort of frame of mind David was in. You know, maybe he was glad when they said to him, let's go to the house of the Lord, because that was just what he was wanting to do. And someone else says it, and he says, yeah, well, you want to come? I want to come. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. Perhaps he was like that. Or maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was in a completely different place. Maybe he was in a place where where life was not just great, and he was low. And someone says, "Let's should we go to the house of the Lord? He was glad when he was encouraged. Do you know that? Let's be active this year in doing that, in encouraging one another, whether it is because we're feeling just a bit, you know, uh, and somebody says, No, come on, let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. Look, why don't you come? Come around mine, let's pray. Come to that community group, that prayer. Come on, Sunday. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the house of the Lord. Come on, let's do it. Let's be active this year in encouraging one another to gather and to be together. There is a blessedness, there is a preciousness when we are together. Let's encourage one another. There are also those times, though, and it's interesting, I've got this in my notes, and I heard Dave just praying. I heard Dave mention it in his prayer. There are also those times um, where you're wanting to sharp, sharp, iron sharpens iron, you know? And you say, Should we go? let's go. Yeah, let's do this. Come on, let's go. Let's do it. Let's be together. Let's pray. Let's, let's read. Let's, let's go out. Let's do it. And uh, the story that Dave was—I heard Dave praying—is the one where Jonathan is with his armor bearer, and uh, and Saul is is sort of they're faced with the Philistines, and Saul's encamped, and and they're all a bit frightened. And then Jonathan says to his armor bearer, "Should we go? We could take some of them. Should we do it? Should we go? Should we do it?" And his armor bearer says to him, "Yeah, I'm with you, heart and soul." That's where that phrase comes from, heart and soul. He says, Yeah, I'm with you, heart and soul. Let's do it. Let's do it. There's a sense in which sometimes, do you know what? We need to sharpen each other like that. We need to drink. Yeah, come on, let's do this. Let's get again. Let's gather. Let's see what the Lord will do for us, shall we? Shall we take a risk? Shall we see what the Lord will do? Perhaps the Lord will act for us. Jonathan says to his armor bearers, Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. And the armor says, Yeah, okay, whatever's in your heart, let's do it. I'm with you, heart and soul. Oh, I need you to do that for me sometimes. I need you, and I need to do that for you sometimes. I also need to be open to your encouragement. Do you know what? We need to be open to each other's encouragement. And, and I say that because sometimes we can be a bit, we can be a bit suspicious. So, so why is he saying come to? Me? Well, you know, is it just he wants to tick a box? He's got this many people coming to his meeting. And why is the pastor doing that? And no, no, no let's not. Let's not be suspicious when we're encouraged by someone else. They're encouraging us for our good. We need to be open to the encouragement of others too. Be open to encouragement and give it this year. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Encouragement. The next thing, though, that I want to talk about is honour. And it's interesting, as you read that psalm, when you read the next part, David is is sort of reflecting on Jerusalem and on the temple. He's reflecting on it. He says, so this is where he says, Jerusalem built as a city that is firmly bound together. The tribes of the Lord go up there to give thanks, to worship. The thrones for judgment are there. Oh, this is a great place. This is a great place. This is a place where where thanksgiving happens, where worship happens. This is a place where there's wisdom, where there's good judgment. This is a place where where the tribes gather. This is... Ah, this is great. It's like David is reflecting on Jerusalem. It's interesting. Do You know, the, some of the scholars think that, that David was almost writing this prophetically because Jerusalem actually wasn't like that at the time. That's what they think. Because Jer- Jerusalem is the city that David had identified as his capital. And probably when this psalm was written, if David wrote it, and most scholars feel that he did, Jerusalem probably wouldn't have been an enormous city with great towers that this psalm talks about and there's almost a sense where he's possibly speaking quite prophetically oh what this thing could become ah oh, this this thing could be great this thing could be amazing Ah, oh, this is this is the place where God's presence is this is where he's chosen to be and uh, I was reading a guy called Tom Wright who used to be a, a Church of England bishop and now he's a like a college lecturer professor, writes a lot. And uh, he wrote, writes about when he was in Jerusalem for a time in his life and was going to an Anglican church in Jerusalem called St. George's. And uh, he said they would be praying these psalms and reciting these psalms, like Anglican churches quite often do. And he said sometimes it just seemed ridiculous, all the stuff about Jerusalem that you read, and then you look at Jerusalem, it's like this little city in the, on the edge of a desert, and, and yet God's saying that he'll be what God, God says in the Psalms, no, that this is the place. This is where the nations will be blessed. This is where the tribes can come. This is where you come to give thanksgiving. And Tom Wright says, it just seemed a bit odd. This place? Well, really? And, of course, we know now, because of what Jesus says, that Jerusalem is not necessarily the physical place when he meets that woman, the Samaritan woman, who says to him, well, you you Israelites say that Jerusalem is the place and we Samaritans think it's on this mountain. And Jesus says, no, no, no. He says, the time's coming. The time's coming where the worshippers who worship God, he's looking for worshippers that will worship in spirit and truth. In other words, it's anywhere and everywhere where his people are gathered that become the new Jerusalem. Let me encourage you this year to honour the church to honour the church. Where are you with that? Where are you with honouring the church? Where does it come on your list of priorities? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what it says in Ephesians. It says this. Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing or sanctifying her by the washing with water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Christ loves the church. He loves the church as much as he loves you as an individual. And he is also sanctifying the church, just like it says there, just like he's sanctifying you as an individual. You know what? Sometimes we can be tempted to look at the church as sort of an organisation or an institution, or and it feels okay then to sit in judgment on it and to make critical judgments about the church. And I don't just mean ours. I mean you can look at other churches and say, well, they don't quite do that, way, do they? And actually, I wish we did more of what they do. Actually, no. Do you know what? The church is being sanctified, just like you are being sanctified. But how does God view you? He views you as blameless because of Christ and he views his church as blameless. Yes, he's sanctifying her, and he's cleansing her, and that's why she's not perfect. Why isn't she perfect? Well, to be frank, because you're in it. <laughs> and because I'm in it. That's why it's not perfect. But Christ loves the church. Do you know what? As we grow as Christians, we learn more and more, don't we, to, to try and crucify judgment when we're, when we're with each other. You know, you're with another Christian. You think, oh, and you're tempted to judge, and you just constantly, there's this battle. You're thinking, no, God, Jesus says, don't judge, don't judge. But sometimes we can think it's okay to judge something that's corporate. But actually, Christ loves the church. Christ loves the church. We have to be very, very careful to honor the church. Now, let me encourage you this year: honor the church. Honour the church globally. Honour the church down the road that doesn't quite do those, the things that they should. Choose not to pass comment or make judgment on the church that doesn't quite do things this, the way we might expect or want. Do you know what Jesus did? It's interesting, isn't it? Do you remember the disciples at one point? They see some people who are casting out demons in Jesus' name. And they say, excuse me, Lord, they're, they're casting out demons in your name and they're not part of us. They're not with us. You know, they're indignant. They're not doing it the way we would do it. They're not part of us. Jesus says, whoever is not against us is for us. What's Jesus saying? He said, don't, don't bother yourself. Don't trouble yourself. Mind your business. You worry, about, you worry about this. So let me encourage you. The church global, the church locally, Our church. Honour it. Christ loves the church. Where does it come on your list of priorities? Is it something that can be easily dismissed? Is it something that you attempted to sit back and just pass judgment on? Christ loves the church. Gave himself for her. Honour the church. Look at it with the eyes of faith like David looks at Jerusalem with the eyes of faith. So, oh, this place is this place is great. It could be great. It's where where where, where good solid judgment comes. It's, do you know what the church is the place where God chooses for his kingdom to break out? It's here. That's why things are different here than in the social club down the road. It's nothing to do with us. It's not to do with the quality of the members. You know. It's to do because, it's to do with the fact that he says, No, this is where I will choose to bring about. My kingdom purposes and plans and the way of doing things that I intend you to do as human beings, the way I intend you to live. It's here, it's in the church. Honor it. Value it. Look at it with the eyes of faith. Even when the preach that Sunday wasn't the greatest. Look at it with Honour the church. This year, let me encourage you, in all your conversations, in all your prayers, in all your thoughts, in how you prioritise your time, honour the church. He loves the church. Honour the church. And then the last thing. David does is he encourages people to invest so listen to what he says in the last part of this psalm pray for the peace of Jerusalem and then he tells them what to pray so the next bit is the words he says to pray so pray for the peace of Jerusalem so here's what you are to pray may they be secure who love you peace be within your walls and security within your towers for my brothers' and companions' sake, or some translations say, for my friends' and family's sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Why does, why does he do that? Because he looks at the church and he says, from even from selfish reasons, he's saying, do you know what? This thing does my family good. I'm going to pray for it. This, 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 this is where security lies okay, I'm going to pray for this thing. This is, where, this is where I am safe. This is where my family will be blessed. Why does he pray for peace? It's interesting, he says, he's, pray for peace within her walls. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say, um, well, pray for peace for Jerusalem, you know, that she won't get attacked, that she'll be safe. No, he says, pray for peace within her walls. It's interesting, isn't it? It's because a divided city is lost. And he's saying, pray for peace within, pray for peace within the church. Seek peace within the church. Seek for good, right. Honoring relationships. Put stuff right when you've fallen out. When you know, when something's not quite there's that comment that just wasn't that helpful, or be quick to put it right. Pray for the peace. Of the church, why? Because when we're at peace, God blesses us. We bless each other when we're at peace with one another. Pray for the peace of the church. It's interesting. There's a a very old um, Bible teacher, and uh, and he writes this. he says let no man flatter himself that they pray not for the church of they that pray not for the church of god love not the church of god if we do not love it we will not pray for it and if we do not pray for it we do not love it do you love the church pray for the church pray for the church pray for the peace in the church for the security that it will provide for the blessing that it will give. Pray for the church. David says also, he says, I will seek your good. I will seek your good, Jerusalem. What's he saying? He's saying, I'll do everything I can to build this thing, to bless it. This is what a guy called Joseph Irons says. I love this. So writing on this last verse of that psalm where David says, I will seek your good. This guy, Joseph Iron, says this. I will throw my energies into it. My powers, my faculties, my property, my time, my influence, my connections, my family, my house, all that I have under my command shall be employed in an effort to promote the interests of Zion. Isn't that great? Everything I've got. He's passionate about it like David is passionate about it. Where does the church come in your list of priorities? Where is it? Now this year, let me encourage you, invest (coughs) in the church. It will give you a good return. It will give you a better return than the banks. It will give you a better return than your career. It will give you a better return than a flashy holiday in the summer. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those things but it will give you a better return if you invest, if you give yourself to this thing if you give yourself to building the church then it will be a place of blessing for you for your families for the tribes out there it will be a place of blessing so as we start a new year encourage each other, let us encourage each other Shall we go to the house of the Lord? Yeah, let's go to the house of the Lord. Do you know what? The house of the Lord is not just here on a Sunday. It's in each other's homes. It's whenever we are together. Let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's gather together. Encourage one another. Now, John Ortberg, I don't know if you've heard of a guy called John Ortberg. He, he's a great writer, and he's written a book called Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. And it's about the church, basically. Everybody's normal until you get to know them. And one of the things he says is we often talk about a God-shaped hole in people's lives, don't we? You've heard that phrase often, there's a God-shaped hole in everyone. And that's right, of course there is. John Altberg says, but there's also a human-shaped hole in each of us. And God will not fill that. And how do we know that? Because right at the beginning, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And he says that, before the fall of man. He says that when things are still perfect. you know. So don't be tempted to think you can do Christianity on your own. Don't be tempted to think that. There's a human-shaped hole as well that God's created within you, and he chooses not to fill that one. He will fill his one, but he has determined that there is a hole in you that needs to be filled by others. Encourage one another this year. Let us encourage one another. And let's be open to the encouragement of others. Let's not be suspicious of it, but let's encourage one another. Let's be happy to gossip the gospel with one another. Do you know so often we don't, we're not happy with that. We're a little bit, how was your Christmas? With the family, nice. Yeah, I'm not saying that's fine. I've had those conversations. But actually, how often do we have the equivalent of a how is it with your soul? How's your walk with the Lord? How are you doing? And we're a little bit, embarrassed by that aren't we or we think when the pastor asks uh, what's the after you know gosh am I going to be aiming for a tirade of some sort no no be open to encouragement and encourage honour the church honour it in everything you do honour it in deciding whether you're going to be here and be part of it Honour it in the way you talk about it and the choices you make about what you will not talk about. Reserve judgment. And that phrase, reserve judgment, so important. Let me tell you this. You will often judge in your head. We all do. The first time you see a person you've never met before, straight away there's some judgments that you start to make about how they look, about what their accent tells you about them, about perhaps possibly where they're from, what their education is. That happens straight away. It's natural. We start to do that. But do you know what we have to do? We have to reserve judgment and then crucify it. That's what we have to do. So let me tell you, there will be times this year when you will be tempted to verbalize a judgment about God's church in some way or other or some church leader somewhere or whatever it is. I tell you what, reserve judgment and then crucify it. Honour the church. Christ loved the church. Christ loves the church. Honour the church. Invest. Give yourself to this thing. Give yourself. Your time, your energy, your everything. Give yourself to this thing. Invest. Invest in the church. Love the church. Do you know what? And We we had this... uh, Great wedding yesterday for Jamie and Janine and Owen talked about the famous passage on love from Corinthians 12. And, um, and love is not just a feeling. Love is, is sometimes hard work, isn't it? Love is the action of getting up to your crying child who's just vomited all over their bed in the middle of the night. And actually at that particular moment, you don't have pink and fluffy feelings towards that child. <laughs> but there is something deep within you that makes you bathe them down at three o'clock in the morning, wash their bedding, soothe their fever, sing them back to sleep again. There's something in you that does it. Love sometimes is hard. Sometimes you will not have the pink and fluffy feeling about the church, but you're called to love it in action and in word and in deed. And if we're lucky, Sometimes God gives us the pink and fluffy feeling too. Do you know what, Jesus, when he was on the cross, he loved us, but I don't suppose at that particular moment he had pink and fluffy feelings about us. But he went through it, he endured it because he loved us. Love the church. That's my challenge to you this year. Love the church. Cool. God bless you. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording.